Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Your hosts are Harry Robinson and Jack Tate. We talk about the latest going-ons at United, look ahead to our next game and give you an update on the youth sides, the club's loanees and Casey Stoney's women's team. Enjoy the show. Wonderful finish! Fabulous free kick! He's done it again! Manchester United are back 100 days after our last game, a 1-1 draw with Tottenham Hotspur, their new but empty stadium. It was strange and certainly not quite right. We will get on to that, but it was good to be watching United again and it did for a couple of hours at least offer an, uh, an immersive distraction from the rest of the world's going-ons, if you like. So this week we're talking about David De Gea, Harry Maguire, Paul Pogba, Bruno Fernandes and much more in Series 5, Episode 35 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Thank you for joining us as always. Jack, let's begin with something positive. Um, Sheffield United have just been comprehensively beaten by Newcastle, so we will talk about the top four race in more detail at the end of the show, actually. But first, Paul Pogba came back for his first game in almost six months off the bench and had an immediate impact, which is... It's not as if he completely controlled the game. It's not as if he won us the game because obviously we didn't win. But it was pretty impressive. It was very, very impressive watching Paul Pogba come back on and have that kind of impact. You know, it wasn't it wasn't as if he, he came on and instantly you know we were carving Spurs open. But there was a significant shift in the way that we played and how dangerous we looked going forward. I mean, almost immediately after he came on, we had a really good spell in Spurs' box. It ended up, I think, with a uh, the attack that led to Martial's shot that forced Lloris into a, a brilliant save. There was a few other other moments where him and Fernandez, him and Fernandez linked up. I know, obviously, the the big moment of the second half and and really of the game when he absolutely skins Dyer down the right hand <laughs> yeah. side and wins the penalty which I think was rightly given you know it, it was it wasn't a performance that makes you think that everything at Manchester United is is perfect but it certainly especially the the, the second half gives us some some reason for optimism and it's some excitement at what may potentially be to come with that midfield because some of the moments that Pogba produced both as an individual and also in link up with Bruno Fernandes were quite something to yeah, watch. Yeah, it, it was just a reminder that he is he, he can be so brilliant to watch that half volleyed pass to yeah. To Rashford was yeah it it did exactly that it it takes your breath away and and that bit as well and it's he and Mason Greenwood I think and Bruno Fernandes as well to to be fair 
and Rashford on other days, but he didn't have a great game. Uh, those three, Bruno, Greenwood and Pogba, were the three players against Spurs who, at least at one point during the game, did something where you kind of just laughed at it. When Pogba did that pass to Rashford, when Pogba took on Eric Dyer and, and basically yeah. danced with him and, and went round him and won the penalty, Bruno Fernandes did this lovely little flick over, two flicks over two Spurs players and then actually misplaced the pass but it, it was those kind of moments where you do just kind of laugh at it and, and enjoy enjoy the football even if even if you were neutral you'd enjoy it so much and, and Pogba does that a lot he, he just is brilliant to watch and I think I think it's obviously no one has played for three months but to, to play your first game in six months off the bench remember so there wasn't really any time to settle in and have the medium sized impact I guess you could say given we didn't win the game the medium sized impact that he did uh, was good and and his and his and Bruno Fernandes connection, if you like, uh, looked like it had some potential as well. Yeah, I think medium sized impact is probably the best way to put it. Like I said, it's it wasn't as if he came on and completely took the game by the scruff of the neck. As to be fair, we've seen Pogba do in in the past. It was more that he contributed to a much much better United side in the second half. That had already it already started happening, you know, in the first fifteen minutes before he came on. But there was just such a, an added level of of impetus, an added level of penetration and creativity yeah. once he came on. And I think what I loved as well is that it was all aspects of his game that seemed to be in very very good touch it wasn't just you know the the tricks and flicks I remember I think about a minute after he came on in that period where he spent kind of camped in Spurs box for a couple, yeah. a couple of minutes part of the reason we spent so long there was because as I think it was Serge Aurier began to take the ball out Pogba put in oh, was a, pretty a, unbelievable a slide tackle, tackle. Yeah. yeah and and it just yeah. and then he immediately got up the balls into Bruno Fernandes and we were going again at, at Spurs and I think that he looked all round like his game was in very good condition and he looked very sharp which is surprising for a player who not only had the, the three month enforced layoff as everyone did but also had seven or eight months before that as well yeah and that, that's what Solskjaer was saying uh, both both pre-match and, and post-match is that his injuries his injury situation hasn't just been since Boxing Day he came back on the 22nd of December I think against Watford and then played again against Newcastle on the 26th but before that he'd been injured since Rochdale in September before that he'd missed the start of the season he has he has missed the entire season and he came back for what for one Arsenal game I think in September and then got injured again yeah yeah so it, it really has it's been eight nine ten months out of out of action and it is it's nice to have him back and I know a lot of United fans will will look at him and think there's no reason I should support you for my club given the the things that he said or it's not normally been him saying it but his his entourage, his brothers, his agents, uh, who I think most people can agree are a, a negative influence on Manchester United. But on the other hand, the suggestion at the moment is that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is, is happy with the balance and the, the mood of the squad. And Paul Pogba is a part of that squad in comparison to someone like Alexis Sanchez, who Solskjaer will reportedly isolate when he comes back from Inter Milan on loan if he does come back. Solskjaer will reportedly make him train by himself because he thinks he's a negative impact on the squad, whereas, whereas Pogba isn't that. Now, Solskjaer's starting eleven, it's this weird situation where we've drawn, which is, clearly isn't the result we wanted. And not only is it not the result we wanted, but we, we should have won that game. I think most people can agree. And yet, you wouldn't say Solskjaer got the starting eleven wrong and you wouldn't say he got his subs wrong. So we drew, but 
he didn't get either of those things really that obviously wrong. And the strength in depth from the benches was certainly uh, a, a great positive. Yeah, I don't think there was anything massively wrong with either the, the starting lineup or the, or the subs. I think maybe with with the starting lineup, there maybe rather than the personnel, there should have been a little bit more discussion on how we would break down Tottenham because it was very clear to me that they were almost definitely going to sit deep and try to hit us on the counter attack as pretty much all Mourinho teams yeah. do, and especially one in Spurs that doesn't really have that much quality. You know, their their qualities are in in their ability to their their fitness levels and, and you know their ability to put themselves about, as we saw under Mauricio Pochettino's um, when he. Was Spurs manager, yeah. so I think there, there maybe should have been a little bit more. I don't know, and it's, again, it's hard to say as someone who had no was not privy at all to the training sessions. I'm, I'm <laughs> sure we did spend a lot of time discussing this, and it maybe just didn't come off. But the first half, it was it was pretty poor um, for a lot of it. It was really, really bad football for a good majority of it. We it, it was like watching United back in September mm. or, or October. We just we had what 60, 70 percent of the possession, especially for the first half hour or so, and we, I think we created one chance from uh, the cross into Marcus. Yeah. Rashford that he shot straight at Hugo Lloris we, we just were not penetrating Spurs at all midfield the ball was was very much into Fred and McTominay out wide rather than in through the lines into Bruno Fernandes and when Fernandes did get the ball I think the one criticism that I have of him in a United shirt so far is that sometimes he's just trying to do too much too yeah. quickly doesn't need to be the wonder ball first time every single time he picks up the ball and he was definitely guilty of that uh, quite a lot in the first yeah, half yeah and I think that one of the things that uh, frustrated people who watched him in Portugal was the 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 quantity of long shots that he he takes, and it, it, it's true. Yeah, I, mean, I think we've we've probably already noticed it now. That being said, one of those long shots got us a draw away at Goodison Park against Everton, and they 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 do have a positive impact. But much like Nani or other other players of a similar frustration, uh, they that that kind of style can can frustrate when they're not doing other things. But I think I think one of the, the big positives was that Bruno Pogba, Rashford, etc. No one really had a, a great game. Pogba had, was probably in terms of the, the time he was on the pitch had the biggest impact out of anyone for United. But none of United's players had a great game, and, and Rashford and Martial certainly didn't. We'll move on to that. But even though that was the case, Bruno Pogba. Rashford, Marshall, they all had good moments and there was enough of, there's now enough good players in the United team that even when none of them are having a great game, each of them doing one good thing per game is almost enough for United. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a, it's a position of somewhat luxury that we haven't had in quite a long time with our forward line. You know, you think back to the last few seasons, every year it's we've been so reliant on one, maybe two players, whether it was Ibrahimovic, whether it was going all the way back to Van Persie, or you know even Di Maria for for a stretch, and now it, it suddenly yeah. feels like we have goals that could come from four or five different players every game. And as you said, it they are not only players that have good, you know, have are talented and can have good moments. They're players that are starting to produce a little more consistently. Um, admittedly, that wasn't really the case against Spurs. But you know, when you look at the likes of Rashford, Martial, Fernandez, Pogba, even throw Mason Greenwood in there, they are players who every time they pick up the ball look dangerous, and that is a, a, a position we haven't been in in a long time. Yeah, Dan James. Uh, yeah, I, we we spoke about this hopefully being a chance for him to to have rested and to come out ready for the the renewal of the season, looking as good as he did at the start of the season. I think, I think we we've obviously got to wait. 
a couple of weeks before making some kind of massive judgment. But it, that game did show his and United's limitations. And that right wing is, is definitely a, a problem spot. I think the Spurs game showed our weaknesses in terms of creativity in midfield still, despite having Pogba and Bruno Fernandes there. It showed that we need to finish better. Rashford and Martial finishing was to be fair most of their efforts you, you thought that was quite good but also our only goal came from a penalty and it also showed that the right wing area is a, a is a major issue and you would probably say Greenwood has to start ahead of Dan James at the moment. I think, you know, we, we spoke on the last episode about how in the Bundesliga, there, there seems to have been a trend of, of players having been able to practice a lot of their, their shooting drills that have increased, you know, the accuracy of a lot of their shooting. And it is a strange time for players to be able to, to practice a lot of sort of very, very basic technical drills, um, which, you know, we we thought on it in particular I spoke on the last episode about how I thought that would benefit Dan James and he may be able to come out with you know a bit more yeah. technical not ability because it wouldn't change his ability but at least maybe composure and it, it just didn't fund- yeah. <laughs> there's no other way for me to say that really it, it just didn't he was one of his worst performances in, for United I think and you know I, I'd say it, the one thing in his defence is it this isn't the kind of game that suits him because Spurs yeah. did sit so deep and there wasn't much space in behind but playing for Manchester yeah. United a lot of your games are going to be like that and he needs to figure out a way to be better against teams that sit deep and be better more composed on the ball and so far he hasn't been able to do it yeah and Mason Greenwood from the right is is definitely an interesting thing and, and we've seen he so looked many great times when he came on. come yeah and and he, he has he, he's bulked up which is a kind of a, a natural consequence of, of being stuck indoors for a long time but he, he has bulked up but even so he, he is so talented and, and we've seen so many strikers come through at, at United and other clubs in fact not just top clubs but strikers more often than not come through and are, are forced out onto the wings for a bit and it, it does them some good because it it, it it improves things that they, they otherwise wouldn't and Greenwood on the right is a real threat partly because he can either cut inside like a, a traditional modern winger an inside forward almost like Iron Robin or, or or, or many others who have done it, Bale, Ronaldo, Messi, whoever, but also he can stay on, on his right foot and, and use that because of the, the talent he has with both feet, which is, it, he is really exciting. And what I said earlier, it was him, Bruno and, and Pogba who kind of took your breath away at, at certain moments. And, and for an 18-year-old to be doing that is is incredible. And he, he's he got to start against Sheffield United, I think, just because he's he's definitely got, he definitely can offer more to United than, than Dan James can at the moment. Oh, there's absolutely no question he offers more than, than Dan James can. Not only did he just, he showed more in the half an hour that he played at Spurs, I think just also in his general sort of locker, he has, he has more in his locker than, than Dan James. Dan James is a little bit of a one-trick pony in terms of using his pace, and that, which is great when we're playing teams that will kind of push onto us and leave space in behind. But Mason Greenwood, even despite being so young, is better on the ball he's better technically yeah. and when we're playing against deep blocks I think that that is what we need Yeah, he, he was very very good when he came on Mason Greenwood his link up with those around him was brilliant and especially with Aaron Wan-Bissaka was better than Dan James was because our right side was was a mess in the first hour really we, we just had absolutely nothing going down there we got and it pains me to watch because Juan Bissaka and Dan James both have decent movement actually and they got in some very nice positions but when you needed a cross to go in quickly it, it then took you know three or four touches to get it under control and it just it, it doesn't work with the two of them yeah. I think Juan Bissaka it, it's palatable because he is so good defensively and he does still produce some, some good moments going mm. forward but I think you need someone with a bit more consistency with how well they are how good they are on the ball and I think Greenwood offers that more so than Dan James yeah I think the thing with Wan-Bissaka as well is is he's so good defensively that him being our right back 
means we we have the opportunity to have someone on that right wing like Cristiano Ronaldo who can be given the luxury of not having to help their right back all the time if yeah. that makes because because we know we can trust our right back Aaron Wan-Bissaka to be good we can we can give someone that that privilege of 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 being a right winger without too much focus on tracking back and defending and helping out the right back and Dan James isn't the person to take advantage of that and to be fair Mason Greenwood isn't either because he, it's not his natural position and he 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 will end up being a striker but he's he definitely offers a lot the other thing i i i saw suggested uh is moving one of Bruno Fernandes and Paul Pogba out onto that right wing or kind of right midfield, which is interesting because they they both clearly got the ability needed to play there. We've said before, I, I mean, we've said for the last three or four years that Paul Pogba, if necessary, could play as a winger. Um, and I think I think the same applies to Bruno as well. It would probably detract a little from from their influence on the game, and it it it, it definitely has some disadvantages, but. It's, it's something worth considering. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I think especially against teams that do sit deep against us, it could be something worth exploring because just, I mean, in those games, having more creative players on the pitch is never a bad thing. And when team, not really in the case of Spurs because they did push on a little bit more than some other teams, but say, say we're playing teams like, I don't know, Aston Villa in my mm. head because I'm, I'm watching uh, them beat Chelsea right now, but say we're playing a team like Aston Villa, for example, who would, who would you know, sit back and show quite little interest in moving forward. The, the formation and the positions you give those players at the start doesn't matter quite so much my one issue with putting one of them out on the right wing would be that because they are both generally central players they would tend to drift in field a lot and then with whoever it was out on the left whether it was Rashford would probably stay a little wider it would make the team quite unbalanced as we used to see under David Moyes and Van Gaal when Juan Mata used to play out on the right and then we had basically no width on the right hand side but a ton of width on the left I'd almost rather us play a diamond in midfield um, but that also sacrifices width. But I, I think it would help with with the balance of the team a little bit more. The other the other alternative is is you go for a, a much wider three man midfield. So you put one of Pogba and Bruno on. Yeah. Well, you you, you play both Pogba and Bruno Fernandez. One of them quite wide right. One of them quite wide left. And then you have a much narrower attacking three at the front of Martial, Rashford, and Greenwood, where. They're kind of three three forwards who are playing generally centrally and, and moving in between each other. Now, their, their link-up would have to be really good for that. And it, it does rely on them being not overlapping each other, not getting in each other's way, which is a, an, an obvious issue that, that could happen. But I, I think there are lots of United's forward line or, or front six kind of now has a lot of possibilities. And it, it will be hard to find the right one if there is if there is a right one. But it's interesting. Um, now we should talk about the some some negatives. Uh, we're not really going to mention Rashford. He wasn't involved that much, but uh, he, he didn't have much service. And, and him and Martial kind of seem to swap positions all the time without either of them doing anything in in either of those positions, left wing and 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 the striker, which was disappointing. But even more so was, was the goal we conceded. It it really was poor. And uh, we'll we'll start with David de Gea's error. Um, it just he just should have saved it. And it was it was a really powerful shot. He didn't have much time, but he couldn't sort his hands out. And as we've said many many times, if this was an isolated incident, then that's fine. But he's done this too many times. And with someone like Dean Henderson out on loan from Manchester United, under contract for quite a few years, and very eager to come into that position, it's 
you, you'd be getting worried if you were David De Gea. I would be very worried if I was David De Gea, honestly. Um, you know, not only does have we do we have a great you know a potential apprentice waiting in the wings in Dean Henderson, but as you said, even though this was one mistake in the game, this has happened so many times this season, and you know it, it has been better than the back end of last season where. <laughs> This was happening almost every game, but it's still not good enough at all for a goalkeeper. Well, a any Manchester United goalkeeper, but also a goalkeeper supposedly of David de Gea's yeah. stature. It, it it can't be acceptable for much longer. It just cannot. And it, I, whenever I, whenever I talk about anything to do with goalkeeping on this show, I have to put in the caveat that I have never played goalkeeper or <laughs> learned anything about playing goalkeeper. But you know, the, why was David de Gea going at? a shot that was coming yeah. towards the left-hand side of his chest. He went for it with his right fist. He went for it with his offhand, which he does a lot, to be fair. That is his style of, of making saves. And he saw that with even that his save from Son's head later in the game. But why on earth was he going at it with his fist when it was coming to his chest? He should just be palming that yeah. away, pushing it away to the side, or even trying to catch it. It was that close close into him. Although I know it was very powerful. I, I don't know. It just it feels like the beginning of, of the end, if not the end already. Yeah, it's it's one of those. Yeah, and it's it is a really hard decision to make because to he, he's United's best played player and he's the the best paid goalkeeper in the world. I think when and he's that I for a reason. To be fair, you know, not the last couple of months, notwithstanding, he, he earned that one hundred percent. Yeah, he absolutely did. And yet, in hindsight, you look at his most recent deal, which wasn't signed too long ago. I think it was in the last eighteen or twenty months. Or I think so. it was uh, like halfway through last season, wasn't it? Yeah. And in hindsight, you're thinking that seems that seems yeah, it's it, it seems like the wrong decision. At the time, it, it seems sensible, um, and it, it is a hard one because you're 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 thinking about dropping your your best paid player and, and the best paid goalkeeper in the world for well, a 23 year old. He's not that young, and he, he has proved himself. But it, it remains a very difficult decision, and I think it probably won't be one that's taken for another year or so. Harry Maguire, on the other hand, is 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 again someone who was signed in the last 12 to 18 months and yeah it's, it's, it's another hard one because he he is a good defender we've said that and he's definitely he definitely got better at the turn of the year as well when he became captain of Manchester United and he seems a good captain as well as we've said but his involvement in the goal just just wasn't good enough he was flat-footed uh he was wrong positioning wrong body shape wrong everything he, he toppled like a statue in front of in some in front of Bergwijn and he is and will be for a couple of years now because of the state of the transfer market he will be the most expensive defender in the world for for a couple of years at least and in terms of quality he never will be that he just is a, a good defender yeah I, I I've thought this for, for a while now about Harry Maguire in that Harry Maguire is, is a very good defender he is not a world-class defender I think it is very, very possible to win a title with Harry Maguire at centre-back, but I don't think it's possible to become a world-beating team on the level of the Liverpools of this season and the Manchester City of last season with Harry Maguire as a starting centre-back. You know, I think he, he is a good player. In general, he's very commanding. He's great in the air. And I genuinely think he's a good leader. And I don't think it's a problem area for United at the moment. I would, I would almost be more concerned, actually, with the other centre-back spot because I think Lindelof has done well, but <clears throat> I think... I I have more worries about him moving yeah. forward just not being good enough in the air and not reading the game so well I think you know Maguire in general yeah. is good and I don't think it should be an area that we're looking to change as a, a high priority but I also don't see him being a, a Ferdinand or Vidic type of figure at, at United um, and I mean the, the the Bergwijn goal was terrible and it is exactly what Harry Maguire is 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 known to be bad at you know and it, it is 
it, it was a terrible mistake. It really was. His, his body yeah. positioning was all wrong. He's trying his body shape with his chest pointing towards the, our left touchline yeah. was trying to push Bergwijn out wide. But the the position that he was in was at, like he could never ever do that because he had so much space to his right for Bergwijn just to run past him. And then as soon as you have to turn around to get moving, I mean, he, you're never going to catch yeah, up. You've lost um, the race by yeah, that point. exactly. And and we, I mean, we've known for a while that that's Maguire's weak point. Yeah. And to be fair, I don't think it's it's been shown up that much this season. Um, but it, it is still a worry. You know, you, you don't want to have such an expensive player just be, he'll be yeah. okay for the next few years. Think, you want them to be, you know, a Van Dyke yeah, type I think, of, of I think entry. The worrying thing is that he's another United player that's been signed for quite a lot of money who has, who you kind of have to do some 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 care for. Like with, with Pogba, it's always been, oh, well, we'll get the best out of him by playing him here, by giving him this partner. With Anthony Martial, it's, oh, we'll get the best out of him by treating him this way, by playing him in this position. Martial's not not one of the key culprits in this, but there's there's been a lot of good players at United who've been signed for a lot of money who've kind of had these caveats where you have to... So, for example, with Maguire, it's you need a, a partner with pace next to him. You need a partner who can do this with next to him. You need a good defensive midfield in front of him. And it's like, well, he's, he's a world record-breaking fee player here. And that, I, th- I think that's that's a, a concern. They should be move. offering that support for, for other players. Yeah. He should be the the kind of rock, and and he should be helping the other players, as you say. Now, the we're going to talk. We said some small changes. We spoke about the the Bundesliga shooting facts, which we mentioned in the last episode before the Spurs game. The two the two major changes in terms of watching United against Tottenham in in North London. The first one, the crowd noise. First question is: Is did you watch it with uh, the fake crowd noise or or without? I watched it with. Yeah, I, I I did about half and half. I think I think the difference with the, the the Bundesliga felt really natural, and I think the Premier League fan noise has 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 made me think the opposite. And I now I now don't I don't like watching Premier League games with the fake crowd noise. And I, I think I think maybe the reason is that because I don't speak German or or know the German football chants, I listen to it and I don't. It all just kind of sounds like crowd noise. Whereas when I watched uh, the first game of of the season with Villa in it, I thought it, every every minute it would be Villa. Villa, 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 and it and you just heard it on repeat, and it, it sounded like FIFA. And now now FIFA games are about ten minutes long, whereas a, a Premier League match is a, is the full ninety minutes. So when you have that for ninety minutes, it get it gets frustrating, and the reactions have been delayed. And I guess it, it will improve with time. But I I wasn't a fan for the United game. It, it felt it felt wrong. For me. I, have, I have mixed feelings about it. I will say I think the Tottenham Hotspur stadiums crowd noise or fake crowd noise. I don't actually know who's responsible for it, whether it's Spurs or whether it's the the um, TV provider. But in our game I think it was particularly bad I think the the, the noise was extremely muffled and it just mm. basically sounded like awful background noise of just you know so there was just a lot of like humming and weird sort of voices in the background but I couldn't really hear any of the chants also the reactions were to things that happened during yeah. the game were way later than any other game that I've watched um, but I think I think there's also an element of in general I, I didn't quite realise how different an experience it is watching yeah. these games until it was a United game that I was watching you know all these other games that I watched I, you know I might be supporting a team one over the other but I don't have a real connection to them I don't have a real stake in this game beyond oh I, I want to watch football yeah. you know if the result isn't going to affect my day or put me in a good or bad mood yeah. whereas when I when I have so much passion for United and I, I want to be able to get into the game so yeah. much that I think is when you realise just how different and not great this experience of watching football with no fans in the stadium becomes yeah and I, th- I also think it, it's quite interesting to to be able to hear what 
what they're saying. It was interesting to hear Mourinho and Solskjaer shouting from yeah. the touchline. It was interesting to hear the, the shouts from from the players, however many expletives and they Scott had. Scott McTominay had abusing the referee for most of the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When you hear this, this mancax and berating the referees, it, it's, it's, it's just interesting. It's different. And I think it's one of the differences that should be embraced in this time. And, and the, the thing that worried me more was the, the drinks break. And I, I thought this, because La Liga introduced it and La Liga returned slightly I think a week before the Premier yeah. League did and watching the, those first La Liga games they were being changed by these drinks breaks which happen once a half and I, I was concerned because I think and I, I think that concern was proved correct because in, even in the United game it, it didn't have a, an enormous effect but United were the better team for the first 25 minutes even though both teams were, were quite poor three minutes after the first drinks break Tottenham go ahead and then in the second half um, United were, were playing well again the drinks break disrupted it and um, it, it, it did change it. And United went from kind of dominating the second half, looking like they were about to score, to a kind of 10-minute period where we didn't really do anything and, and then we got back into the rhythm again. And I, I absolutely understand the reason for it. Obviously, keeping the players hydrated is very important, but I'm, I'm not convinced it's, it's worth it because it, it, it's something that I think they'll try to carry on as well when we come out of this period. And it's kind of it's all it's not splitting it quite into four quarters, but it's giving kind of a timeout, uh, an extra team talk, and of that that's not necessarily a bad thing. But I don't think it should be introduced without with with so little consideration for the the potential impact. Yeah, it, I I've got to say I don't I don't think I I noticed it quite so much during the game. It was really only when I went back and watched the highlights and kind of realised how much the game did did sort of swing and, and change a little bit as a result of those drinks breaks. I mean, I, I don't think that, I don't think they're a terrible idea and I, I'd definitely much rather that than players yeah. potentially getting injured or, or something. But I think there is definitely an element of, you know, one of the, I think one of the best things about football and one of the most unique things yeah. about football actually, you know, really other than like rugby maybe and, and maybe like Aussie rules football, it's one of the few sports where coaches only get one opportunity to have a structured talk with their team during the game. Almost every other sport is either not every single player is on, is on the pitch at once or, you know, you have a lot of stoppages yeah during it so that coaches have designated time to discuss changes with their teams and that's one of the beautiful things about football because it's an art to, to be able to be a coach and make those changes on the fly and get that yeah. message across to your team properly and it's a, it's a challenge and I think it, it does reduce that challenge quite a lot and we saw it in the World Cup last year too for some of the games there that it, it just yeah. disrupts the flow of the game and it almost resets everything and I think for a team you know and I'm sure this will come back to benefit United before the end of the season as well where we'll, yeah. where we'll be under pressure and a drinks break help reset momentum in our favor yeah. It will be swings and roundabouts, but it definitely does add just an, another stoppage that kind of kills the momentum of the game. Yeah, I, it's not that I'm completely against the concept. It's just I think I think they there is a strong chance that they'll try to carry this on when we leave the the current period. And I think not thinking about it properly would would be the wrong thing to do. Now, uh, very quickly, we'll give a, a youth update. No women's action, uh, not much loan action either. But in terms of the youth teams, Angel Gomez has been offered a new deal at Manchester United. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said so in his, in his pre-match conference and said, hopefully he'll take it. From what I understand, it's not too far away. However, another attacking midfielder, Dion McGee, has confirmed that he's going to leave Manchester United at the end of his contract on June the 30th. He's been at the club since he was six, now he's 19, and said, all I've known is United, I've learned a lot. A massive thank you to everyone. I'm excited at the new opportunity. So best of luck to Dion McGee. Uh, there's, there's quite a few players who 
his contract expire on June the 30th. So you can expect probably Cameron Borthwick-Jackson, Demi Mitchell, Ethan Hamilton and George Tanner probably going to leave United at the end of their contracts. Alu Traore is a, is a midfielder, 19-year-old midfielder. United signed from France in 2017, I think it was. He's His contract lasts until next year, but he's drawing interest from Benfica, Celtic and Rangers. And France football claim he has received concrete requests from several foreign clubs. A move away from United would probably make sense because he's, he's low down in the pecking order behind James Garner, Dylan Levitt, Ethan Galbraith. So he, he's not next on the on the, the line into the first team for United. Now, Wednesday night game coming up next. A nice long rest from Friday to Wednesday. United play at six o'clock against Sheffield United who have just been beaten 3-0 by Newcastle. The results, well... That, that result in particular has gone United's way. Arsenal have been beaten in their first two games back. They're basically out of the top four race. We drew with Spurs, which makes it quite hard for them to, to really be involved in that top four race. And at the moment, it's looking like Wolves will be United's main challenger. Now, if we lose to Sheffield United, then things very, very much change and do so very quickly. But we're recording this while Chelsea, have, in the last five minutes or so, have just come from behind to now lead Aston Villa. We won't know the result before we end this podcast, but... The, the, this is a big game in terms of the top four race if United win this against Sheffield United on Wednesday then the the race kind of condenses down to Chelsea United and Wolves yeah it does and it, it would make a huge huge difference to the table you know Sheffield United very very yeah I don't know just just very very strange uh, start to the season or the restart for them with two very poor defeats but it does benefit us Chelsea turning yeah. this game around against Wolves is sorry not against Wolves against Villa is very frustrating because now we are five points back and that with only eight games left that isn't an easy mountain to climb but I mean we don't have the, the most the most difficult fixtures coming up um, you would expect we should be winning most of the games that we have coming up I'm just looking at Chelsea's now they're their next two games are Man City and Leicester and they still also play Sheffield United and Liverpool before the end of the season so you know there is a, there is a decent chance that maybe we have some opportunities mm. here to uh, to make some inroads so Sheffield United game I mean it's not going to be easy they're, they're a tough team to play against as we found when we went to Bramall Lane earlier this season but with John Egan out suspended that will help and I, I came out of the game against Spurs very frustrated initially and it wasn't I don't think until the next day that I fully took the positives from it and I don't think it was a, a bad performance and I think actually it, it makes me excited for what we could potentially have to come because we, we did okay but we definitely won our best and that's exciting yeah well we, we, we're definitely going in as a favourites against Sheffield United although we, we did against Spurs uh, we should wrap up uh, quite shortly but I think the main questions going in in terms of team selection is is who do you start in midfield and who do you start on the right wing in midfield I would go with a three man midfield of McTominay Pogba and Bruno Fernandes and then I start Greenwood out wide on the right yeah I think I think Greenwood is a is a fair decision um, and yeah Greenwood on the right and I think I'd I'd probably yeah Bruno and, and Pogba I'd start both of them definitely at home as well it's, I think that there is still an, an element of advantage, definitely. And maybe you, you don't get the advantage of, of home support, but you do get the advantage of being able to go in, in your dressing room. Whereas, yeah. for example, Liverpool, who are going to Goodison uh, at, at seven o'clock today, we're recording on Sunday, are have to, have to arrive in their full kit and have to uh, get changed if, if they need to get changed in the car park at Goodison Park. Now, it, 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 you don't get the home home crowd. Well, yeah, and you saw for like the, the Arsenal City game, Arsenal flew yeah. up from London that day that morning which is not an easy thing to do yeah that was a really bad decision um, and, and yeah so there, there is still some home advantage so uh, we've got one question that's come from Adam Jolly who says what midfielder would you like to see added during the transfer window which I think is a, is a quite hard question if you can't 
trying to think of one off the top of your head, then maybe we'll have to answer it next week because it, it's it's difficult. Maybe maybe the easier question to answer off the top of your head is uh, what type of midfielder would you like to see? The, the only player that, that popped into my head straight away was someone in the mould of, of Thomas Partey at Atletico Madrid. Um, I mean, it looks quite likely he may be going to Arsenal if rumours are to be believed. But I think <laughs> someone in that mould, someone who can is, is very, very good on the ball and, and can start attacks for us, but is also willing to kind of sit and you know play the role that Matic is supposed to play and, and do it better than him. We spoke in the last game that McTominay, sorry, Matic, you know, is, is very good defensively but doesn't cover the ground enough and that Fred covers the ground enough but isn't actually that great defensively and I think we need someone who can do both of those things and just off the top of my head, Thomas Partey was the first one who, who kind of came into my mind. Yeah, I, d- I do think if we, if we are going to buy a midfielder, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy another Fred McTominay Matic. I think it, it needs to be, it needs to no. be a starter because I think the players we have are kind of halfway between starter and, and squad players and, and all rotation. I think if we're going to sign a midfield, it has to be uh, someone who's, who's going to be part of that starting midfield straight away because you've, you've also got Garner and Levitt coming up through the, the under-23s, two really, really talented players who I, th- I think have a, a good chance of making yeah. it United. So I would only sign a starting midfielder, but whether that's United's priority, whether someone like Jadon Sancho on the right wing is more of a priority, I don't know. Or maybe Kai Havertz is, is the one that United are going for if reports are to be believed. Um Right, that's all we have time for on this episode of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Thank you for joining us. As always, if you want to support the show, you can share it on Twitter, Facebook, where the share, share it with your mates or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It does make a massive difference to how many people find the podcast and how many people listen to it. Uh, for more from us throughout the week, you can find Jack on Twitter at... At UTD Tates, T-A-I-T. And you can find me on Twitter at Harry Robinson 64 And the podcast itself is at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. Thanks as always for listening. Have a great week. Hope you enjoyed United's turn and uh, enjoy the Sheffield United game on Wednesday from the, the comfort of your own homes. Goodbye. Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.